Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's great to be with you today as we're gathered to worship the living God and to grow in our fellowship and our discipleship to Jesus. As we gather, let me uh, mention just a few things to you. First of all, to remind you, as I always do, that you can be in contact with us with your prayer concerns or other messages or to send your financial support using the addresses that are being listed on your screen right now. Our worship continues both in this online format as well as at the church every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We'd like to see you either way or both ways if you prefer. I need to tell you that we're having a very important meeting of our congregation on Monday evening, a week from now, Monday evening, the 26th of October at six o'clock in the evening, and we're going to use a Zoom format for that. Purpose of this meeting is to elect new elders and deacons and also members of our nominating committee. I'll be writing more to you about that in my regular emails, but please, if at all possible, we encourage you to sign on for that meeting as we need to have at least 101 members of our congregation present. We are producing an Advent devotional this year, as usual, and if you'd like to participate in that, I'd encourage you to write to Laura Metzger. I'll also be sharing via email some more detail about how that's going to happen and our focus this year. Many of you already have written over the years and would like to encourage more of you to do that, so write to Laura and sign up. We have some flowers with us uh, today uh, that celebrate a very special wedding that happened not here in San Diego, not even in California or the United States, but it happened in Latakia in Syria just a couple of days ago. So congratulations to Rose Kabas and Adan Neaman in Latakia, Syria. Adan is one of the new pastors that we have helped to support and encourage and that I've grown close to over the years, and so we're celebrating that very happy event for them today. We have a couple of special messages for you this morning. First of all, a minute for stewardship with Doug Clare, and then also a minute for mission with Nate Landis of Urban Youth Collaborative. So watch these interesting messages. Doug Clare. I lead the stewardship committee here at Villas Church, or we also like to call it the generosity committee. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit today uh, about some thoughts I was having as I was preparing for this uh, about community, thinking about the ways we've all responded uh, to this year's challenge. It's been a challenging year. Uh, I, I don't need to go through the details of that. You know it all, uh, you know it all very well. Uh, but I was thinking this through. I decided to look up the word community and I promptly found 13 different definitions in Webster's, but the one I thought that fit the best uh, was this, a body of persons having a set of common social interests. And I think here at Village, we have a set of common values, a set of common interests that, that bind us together. This year, of course, we've all been challenged as individuals. Some of us have been challenged a little. Uh, all of us have been inconvenienced, maybe made uh, a bit uncomfortable by the virus and the things that have hit us. Some of us of individuals have had much greater challenges. Maybe we've been sick, maybe we've lost a job, maybe we've even lost a loved one. Um, and you know, for those reasons, our, uh, uh, the, the pressures on us uh, vary quite a bit. But if we think about uh, our role in the community, of course, as individuals, we can come under uh, immense individual pressure, but as a community, we need to respond in ways that kind of buoy the community up and, uh, and help the community out as a whole. I think of it a little bit like when you squeeze one end of a balloon. 
uh, the other end naturally uh, gets bigger and expands. And I think as we think of ourselves as a community and a congregation here at Village Church, we can think of it in the same way. Some of us have been put under a lot of pressure. Uh, some of us haven't experienced that so much. And so our role in the community, our role in the congregation can expand a bit to, uh, to compensate. I'd just like you to think about that a little bit as you think about your response to this year's uh, stewardship campaign. Uh, think about how you've been challenged and what your capacity is to grow and expand and, uh, and respond uh, in a way that helps the community and the congregation as a whole. Thanks a lot for your time. Appreciate it. Good morning, Village Church family. So nice to be with you. My name is Dr. Nate Landis. I'm the founder and president of Urban Youth Collaborative. UIC started 12 years ago when God opened my eyes to show me an entire generation of public school kids growing up right here in America without knowing Christ. Our Heavenly Father desperately wants lost kids to find Jesus and a church home. Instead of waiting and hoping that students somehow find their way into church, UYC helps congregations take the first step by bringing the gospel to them at the place where young people spend most of their time and energy, school. Jesus said that if we follow him, he'll make us into fishers of men and women. Our message to churches is that fish usually travel in schools. By sharing Christ's love in practical ways and empowering student leaders and churches to do the same, UIC has grown to engage thousands of students at over 100 public middle and high schools in San Diego, Tijuana, and Atlanta. Missions does not require us to cross an ocean or a border. Missions can happen every day when believers dare to cross the street to love kids on their own turf. COVID-19 has not stopped the gospel from going out to teenagers. In fact, the disruptions, uncertainty, and isolation caused by this surreal season have made many young people and families more receptive to the security found in Christ. To love kids well during these unusual days, our ministry has shifted to online and outdoor student engagement. Through it all, God is doing amazing things during this pandemic. The good news of Jesus cannot be quarantined. Over 220 kids are currently participating in discipleship and mentoring relationships. Our staff served 25,000 meals to hungry kids and families in partnership with San Diego Unified School District. Weekly connections with church partners and campus allies keep ministry relationships alive and thriving. Student leaders themselves have engaged in 3,295 hours of community service in Jesus' name during COVID. Being a part of this club has really helped me gain my confidence and faith in God. I have been able to be discipled by one of our leaders at the club for about a year now, and it has really helped me just grow my faith and have someone to talk to about God and any questions that I have. And we believe that God wants to send more churches to reach public school students, 50 million in all throughout the U.S. As we scale nationally with online training and resources for churches to do campus ministry, we look forward to the bridges that God will build between congregations and campuses throughout the U.S. and beyond. I'd like to personally thank everyone from Village Presbyterian Church that partners with us in this vital gospel mission. May God bless you for caring so much about the next generation.
Thank you, Doug and Nate. Now, friends, let's take a moment to open our hearts and minds to lay them before the Lord as we come to Him in worship and as we focus on these timeless words from the fifth psalm. Give ear to our words, O Lord. Give heed to our sighing. Listen to the sound of our cry, our King and our God, for to you we pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear our voice. In the morning we plead our case to you and watch. But we, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. We will bow down toward your holy temple in awe of you. Lead us, O Lord, in your righteousness and make your way straight before us. Friends, let's worship the living God. The hymn that we just sung, How Great Thou Art, indeed is our hope, is our affirmation that God who is great in all things is great in his love for us, in his wisdom, and his grace in Jesus Christ. It is because of that reality and that hope that we can come before God's presence, 
confessing the ways in which we have broken God's heart, confessing the ways in which we need God's mercy and grace. Let us confess together. Merciful God, you made us in your image with a mind to know you, a heart to love you, and a will to serve you. But our knowledge is imperfect, our love inconstant, our obedience incomplete. Day by day, we fail to grow into your likeness, yet you are slow to be angry with your children. For the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, do not hold our sins against us, but in your tender love forgive. Amen. Friends and sisters and brothers in Christ, hear, believe, and trust, and receive the good news of God in Jesus Christ, that God, who is great and awesome indeed, loves us so much that he gave his son Jesus Christ for the life of the world. Through Christ's life, death, resurrection, and ascension, we know that we are loved and forgiven in Christ and freed to love God and to love one another. Thanks be to God. Amen. The peace of Jesus Christ be with you. Because God has given us peace with him and with one another, I invite and encourage you to share signs of God's love and peace with those who are near you and to your neighbors and friends today and throughout this week so that all may know of God's love in Christ. Amen.
death could not hold you The veil tore before you You silenced the boast of sin and grave The heavens are roaring Praise of your glory For you are raised to life again You have no Good morning, Kids Village, and welcome to another Kids Message. For this morning, we are going to learn about a story that involves four different people, and one in particular who chose to show integrity. This morning, our story starts with a man named Naaman. Now, Naaman was a soldier. He was very strong, and he was very good at his job. There was one thing that was holding him back. Naaman had leprosy. Now, we've talked about leprosy before in our stories, and it was like a skin condition. It was a disease that he had that he couldn't cure. He needed someone to heal him, and he was looking for someone to do that. Now, Naaman's wife had a young girl who was working for her. This young girl knew of someone that could help him, and this was a moment where she could choose to either share that information or she could have withheld it and said, oh, I don't know if I should share that with him. Naaman ended up getting the name of the prophet, which was Elisha, and he ended up meeting with Elisha and figuring out what he needed to do to be cured. Naaman ultimately was healed, and he was so thankful for that. And this was, again, another story where we learn that people saw that and how he was healed, and they came to know God because of that. Where is there a moment in your week where you can show integrity, where you can choose to share the information that you have that could help someone? There are all kinds of moments and it's going to look different for each and every one of us. And so that is our challenge to you all this morning. How can you share the love of God and use the integrity that he's given you to honor and glorify him just like this girl did for Naaman? We miss seeing all of you. And if we see you on the basketball court, we look forward to sharing with you all in our Sunday school mornings. If we see you online, we hope that you're enjoying your messages and we look forward to seeing you all back here next Sunday. Bye-bye. Praise Him, all you say. 
the sure and certain promise of God who is with us. Let us present our prayers of thanksgiving and prayers of intercession and petition to our gracious and loving God. Let us pray. We praise and thank you, O Lord, that you feed us with your word. Grateful for your gifts and mindful of the communion of saints, we offer to you our prayers for all people. God of compassion, we remember before you the poor and the afflicted, the sick and the dying, prisoners and all who are lonely, 
the victims of war, injustice, and inhumanity, and all others who suffer from whatever sufferings may be called. Lord of Providence, holding the destiny of the nations in your hand, we pray for our country and all countries. Inspire the hearts and minds of leaders that they together may first seek your kingdom and righteousness so that all these things, liberty and peace, may dwell with your people. O God, the Creator, we pray for all peoples. Take away mistrust and lack of understanding that divide your creatures. Increase in us the recognition that we are all your children. God, our Savior, look upon your church in its struggle upon the earth. Have mercy on its weakness. Bring to an end its unhappy divisions and scatter its fears. Look also upon the ministry of your church. Increase its courage, strengthen its faith, and inspire its witness to all people, even to the ends of the earth. Author of grace and God of love, send your Holy Spirit's blessing to your children here present. Keep our hearts and thoughts in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Let us begin our time in the scriptures with a prayer for illumination. Please join me in prayer. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. A reading from the letter to the Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And now a reading from the letter to the Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The word of the Lord. There's a phrase in the scripture that has always intrigued me. That phrase, living sacrifice. Well, let's think about that for a moment. What comes to your mind when I say sacrifice? There's a couple of things that come to my mind, a couple of images, actually. One is the image of a huge stone altar, and beside it there stands a priest in these magnificent robes, and he's holding a huge knife, and on the altar tied down there's a squirming animal, and the priest raises the knife and plunges it into the heart of that helpless creature, and blood goes everywhere. That's one image. There's another image. This is the picture of a, of a huge volcano with steam coming up out of it, and, 
And beside the volcano on a little wooden platform, there's a priest with this imposing headdress. And in the background, you hear drums beating and people chanting. And standing beside the priest, there's a young woman squirming, trying to get away. And the priest pushes her over into this yawning chasm into her fiery death. Those are the kinds of sacrifice that I think about sometimes. But to be honest with you, neither one of those things appeals to me very much. So let's go back to those words that Paul wrote to the Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I don't think that means an animal on a stone altar. I don't think that means a beautiful, young, virginal woman on the edge of a volcano. What does it mean? Well, let's look more closely at this. Paul starts off, by the mercies of God. Well, wow, mercy, okay, that's a good word. That's a word that that I can accept easily. Mercy is a good thing. Earlier, Paul has talked to the Romans, as he talked to everybody that he talked with, about how God in his grace saves us because God is a merciful God. Paul summarized it when he wrote to the Ephesians by saying, by grace you have been saved through faith. Saved, not not executed. By grace we have been saved through faith. God's mercy saves us from death. God's mercy saves us from sin. God's mercy saves us from a meaningless, fruitless, dysfunctional life. We are saved from all of those things by God's mercy. And we are saved for something. Why does God save us? What happens as we continue to live in the light of God's mercy and grace? Okay, hold that in your minds for a moment, and then let's talk about spiritual worship. Paul wants to talk about spiritual worship. Well, spiritual It's a word people use a lot. Sometimes I think they don't know what they mean by it. Spiritual has to do with that part of the world which is beyond the physical. It's no less real. It's no less powerful and important, but it's something that is beyond the physical. It's beyond anything that you and I can observe or or manage or, or describe in scientific terms. Spiritual worship. Spiritual worship is that which takes us into the realm of a relationship with God through Jesus, who is our Lord, our Master, our Leader, our Boss. There are a lot of ways to describe that. So by God's mercy, we are led into spiritual worship, worship that takes us into the realm of beyond that which we control in the physical world into the realm of God. And then something happens. Paul says, by the mercies of God, present 
your bodies as a living sacrifice and be transformed. Okay, now we're getting interesting. We have God's mercy. We have our worship. And then we have a transformation that goes on. Somehow God's mercy, somehow this worship leads to something that will change us. You see, accepting God's mercy, receiving his grace, means accepting that which also follows. What follows is a transformation, a new and different kind of life, not just eternal life. We'll hear about that, but a different kind of life here and now. Paul says you are transformed so that you can discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Hmm. Discern what is the will of God. That means we're going to understand we're going to, to actually interiorize and welcome into our lives God's will. Not bad, not unacceptable, not imperfect, but the opposite of that. What is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. We can't really understand what's good and acceptable and perfect unless we are changed, unless there's something that changes in our minds, in our hearts, in our actions. We are changed as we worship. We are changed as we come back to the grace and mercy of God. That change is not just something that happens inside the mind not just something that happens inside the soul. It's a change that happens in what we do. Mind, soul, heart, if you will, must be changed, but if they are truly changed, then we see different behavior as a result. And Paul gives a long list. I've included part of that in our reading for today. The changed heart actually is able to genuinely love other people people. It is tenacious about being good and not serving evil. It honors other people. It's passionate in the pursuit of perfect living. It's full of hope and patience and perseverance. It's all about generous giving and hospitality, welcoming all kinds of others into the sphere of your love. It's even about caring for your enemies because it's so filled with love. It's about sharing life, sharing all of life with other people. The hard times that we cry with them through, the good times that we rejoice with them through. That kind of a changed heart leads to a changed life, which then takes us into a life full of humility and peace and harmony. You see, Paul understood that receiving God's grace into our lives must necessarily mean that our lives change. Not just so that we go to heaven when we die, but so that we begin to live heavenly lives here and now. That's one way to look at all of this. Let's approach it from a different angle. Let's look at a couple of the words that Paul uses, not in our English to begin with, but, but in the Greek that Paul used here. The words schema and morphe. Now, you know those words already, even though you don't know them exactly as I just said them. Paul says, do not conform, do not, do not exhibit in your schema, in the scheme 
of things. You know that word scheme. It can mean lots of different things, but scheme basically talks about the outer reality of things. That's what Paul was talking about. Paul was talking about the outer appearance, if you will, of life. He says, do not worry so much about the outer appearance of your life. Don't think about how things appear to be. That's the schema. But let's think instead about the way things actually are. Be transformed, the morphe. Morph means metamorphosis. You know that word. Morph relates to the body. Morph relates to what is truly inside that necessarily then has an impact on what happens outside. You see, you can change the outside to appear to be something, but it's not really that. If you really want to change the outside, then you must change the inside. And if you change the inside by the transformation, the renewal of our minds, the renewal of our hearts according to God's way, the way that is good and acceptable and perfect, then we have something going on that relates to God's mercy and grace in our lives. There's a spiritual dynamic that goes on here about true change, not superficial change, about conforming to the way of God, not conforming to the ways of the world. That's another way to look at it. Let's look at it yet another way. Paul says, present your bodies. There we go, present your bodies. Think about what we do with our bodies. You know, when you're getting ready to go out for the evening, you do something different with your body than you do if you're staying home all day. If you're staying home all day, you might not bother to take a shower or comb your hair or any of that stuff. But if you're going out, if you're going to go present yourself to the world, you primp and you pluck and you paint and you perfume. If you're going to present yourself to the world in the way I'm being presented to you right now, you arrange the lighting in such a way and the backdrop in such a way, and you set the camera angle in such a way so as to make everything look good. That's one way that presents our bodies. That's the outer way. That's the schema. But there's an inner way that talks about our metamorphosis our inner life. If I truly want to change my whole body, I don't just paint some things on or change the camera angle so that it shows me as the skinny, young, tall, handsome Jack, but shows the real me. To change the real body requires exercise, nutrition, sleep, a whole way of life that takes a whole lot longer but changes everything from the inside. We present our bodies in many different ways. You can either worry about the superficial or the real and the lasting and the interior. And you have to do something. You actually have to, to make something happen, right? Here's another way to talk about this. If you want to be something, you must practice doing that something over and over. 
Now, I can pretend to be a great actor. I can pretend to be a great speaker. I can pretend to be great at something, maybe for a little while. But if I'm really going to be great at it, I have to practice it. I have to present my body and actually do something with myself in order to learn that thing. So here's another example, maybe the easiest way to understand all of this. Right behind me, I've got some interesting objects. You may have been looking at those things for just a moment. There is a unicycle here. You see the unicycle? This is a six-foot unicycle. It's almost taller than I am. I do not know how to ride this unicycle. I've never tried, and I never will. But there's someone in my household who was an expert at it at one time. I've also got some fencing equipment here. This is a fencing helmet, and, and right here, I've got a fencing foil. I call it a sword. Helen calls it a foil, right? I have never actually fenced. I know sort of how to hold the foil, but the woman that I'm married to was the New Mexico State High School champion in fencing. I've got something else here that I actually have presented my body to. I've actually practiced, I've used my body to use this instrument. Some of you will recognize this just from the handle. It's my trusty Scotty Cameron putter. I'm not a bad putter, I'm not a great putter, but I'm not a bad putter because I've practiced with my putter for hours and hours and hours. You see, I have presented my body. I've used my body to practice putting, not riding a unicycle, not fencing. But I have presented myself to the discipline of learning how to putt. You've done that with other things. I'm sure you have. Everybody knows how to do something. That's the dynamic that Paul is talking about here. Paul is talking about the fact that when it comes to Christian faith and belief, we also have to talk about Christian life. Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. The world of the spirit and the world of the physical and the material, this world that we live in, must be together. They're connected. They're not separate. The spirit drives the body. The spirit is useless without the body. The body manifests the spirit. The body is useless without the spirit. When we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we are joining together the spiritual and the physical, that which is of the world of God, that which is of the world into which God created us. We must do both things. We must understand both sides of that if we are to understand what it means to accept the mercy and grace of God into our lives and then to let that mercy and grace live itself out in real life. Here's the point. Friends, Christian faith is not just a one-time agreement with a principle or a proposition. Faith is a way of life 
a way of life that's characterized by a regular and sustained and comprehensive and intentional program of doing things and not doing things with our whole selves, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. And as we do those things, we are in a position better to receive and to manifest the blessing of God that results in lives that are good and successful and productive and holy and accomplish the purpose that God intended for us. Do you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Do you accept his grace and his mercy? Good, great, fantastic. You must. But then do you use your body, your time, your resources, your energy to worship and follow this one whom you believe to be your Lord and Savior? If you accept his grace, then you must also accept his call to be a living sacrifice, doing things in your real life here and now that enable you to change from the inside and to learn the skill of living a holy life. You know, I'm, I'm probably never going to practice riding a unicycle, especially that tall one. I'm probably never going to practice brandishing a sword, but I am always going to keep on practicing following the one who by his grace has saved me and leads me into living a good and acceptable and perfect life. What about you? Amen. As a response to God's word read and proclaimed, let us affirm the faith through these sacred words from Ephesians 1. Let us affirm the faith together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Amen.
friends, as we get ready to leave this time of worship together, let me ask you to do something today or tomorrow. Uh, maybe find a, a racket that you know how to use or, or maybe a bat that you know how to use. Find something that you're pretty good at. And then think about all of the hours and time and energy and, and mental energy you spent learning how to do that. And now compare that with how much energy, how much time, how much of yourself you give to learning the way of the Christian life. We are not called to lay down on an altar and wait for the knife. We are not called to stand by the volcano and wait for the push that shoves us into it. We are called to worship, to prayer, to service, to fellowship. We're called to all kinds of things in the Christian life that help us to learn the discipline, the discipline of experiencing the great joy and productivity and success that God offers in following his son. Will you join me in that? Will you stay with me in that? I pray that you will. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you his peace today and always. Amen.